Open up the meeting now. Here we go. Good to go. Good. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm calling the meeting of the facilities master, excuse me, facilities master planning and oversight committee to order. Uh, Mrs. Stebon, can you take roll, please? Certainly, Chair. Um, Chair Solomon? Present. Trustee Chung? Present. Trustee Wong? Present. You have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, public comment for this meeting, other than comments on items not on the agenda, will be taken on each item as it's discussed. Uh, Mrs. Stebon, is there any public comment for items not on the agenda? Well, we don't we don't have public comment. Okay. Thank you. So the first item today is approval of the minutes of the Facilities Master Planning and Oversight Committee meeting of October 13th, 2022. Do I hear a motion to approve? A motion to approve. Second. Thank you. Uh, any discussion from um, either President Wong or uh, Trustee Chung? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, seeing none, I actually uh, do have a question or comment and it will may repeat at the end for future agenda items. I saw in the uh, in th these minutes of October 13th that it included a request for a presentation on the project labor agreement. Uh, now, I at least couldn't find any minutes or archived uh, video, meeting video of of a presentation, but in any case with three new trustees, I think it would be great to have a presentation uh, on a future agenda item, on a future agenda of this meeting and possibly the board, uh, the entire board. So I just wanted to mention that it's not a correction to the minutes and I can bring that up again under future agenda items, unless uh, you can Chancellor Martin, do you have um, any further information about that or Mr. Vasquez? Uh, not at this time, Chair Solomon, but we would happy to put together a presentation for next month's committee meeting. Great, thank you. With that, um, is there any public comment on this item? We don't have any public comment. Okay, thank you. So if there's no further discussion, we'll move to a vote. Oh, uh, I would, would like to just uh, add to- um, Oh, sorry, I apologize. Uh, just to add to, yeah, Chair Solomon's uh, comments, uh, I, I do think an uh, update on the uh, project labor agreement would be very helpful just to understand uh, the state of, uh, yeah, uh, how we're moving forward with that. And especially since we have uh, new new trustees, including myself, serving on, on this committee. Thank you. Thank you. Any further discussion? Just checking for a moment for hands. Seeing none, let's move to a vote. Mrs. Stevan? Chair Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. Trustee Wong? Aye. And the to motion carried. Thank you. Uh, accepted those minutes. The next item is approval of the minutes of the December 21st, 2022 meeting. Do I hear a motion to approve? I move. Second. Thank you. Is there any discussion on uh, this item?
Seeing none, do we have any public comment? We don't have, Chair. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move to a vote on approval of the minutes of the December 21st meeting. Uh, Mrs. Stevan? Thank you. Chair Solomon? Aye. Trustee Chung? Aye. Trustee Wong? Aye. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. Our next item is a report on the Performing Arts Center. And I will now turn it over for this report. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair Solomon. And as AVC Vasquez pulls up the screen, uh, this is an opportunity uh, to inform the committee of some of the design work that has been done over the last several months in regards to the Performing Arts and Education Center. Uh, our architects have been hard at work uh, for the last several months in completing and finishing the designs for the project. And I do believe this is a first opportunity for some new information to be shared with the committee uh, and some direction as to where we are headed uh, with this very important project. So I'll pause there and pass it off to ABC Vasquez. Okay. Thank you, uh, Chancellor Martin. Um, would you be able to scroll? So this is the end of a schematic design phase. Um, and just for reference, the DRT Pake, it's, we still had to work on a, a final official name, but it's, it's got two, two names for now. But it's centered on the axis of the campus and the walkway and the, and the statue there. And at mm -hmm. the end of the presentation, you'll see where the mural is lined up right where the little circle is centered on it. Um, but that's the, the plan and this is the site plan, kind of the footprint of the building. The steam building up north of it is also the footprint of, the, of the, what's under construction now. Um, we can go to the next slide. And if any questions, please uh, let me know. I want to zoom down a little bit more. So um, again, this is just a site plan showing the, the landscape plan. Uh, one of the good things is there's a good synergy between both the steam building to the north and to this project that it's the same landscape architect doing the work. So we're gonna continue with the same um, uh, planting native plants. Goal is to keep everything native and also conducive and also you know some lower maintenance related items. And while this is the plan, there'll be later on an, a, a more graphical elevation. It's, it doesn't depict what's on this plan, but the other one is just more for presentation purposes, but this is the landscape plan uh, for the for this project and what you it's hard to see but it's there on the lower portion of it is the walkway between MUB building and and the theater and I can just uh, where that walkway is Grace just just north of your arrow above the lower trees that's the top no little lower, little lower your left yep if you just scroll across the left those set of trees down there, is is just the the north of the MUB building, and that's the walkway that'll get a walkway between the new buildings. Go to the next one. Um, Can we go back for just a second? I uh, had a, just a question because I I really love looking at these. I want to make sure I understand them. What does um, the DRT boundary line mean? Just what is the definition so of that? It's it's well, we own the entire parcel of that land. It's a boundary line for construction activities because there's two projects adjacent to each other. And we've took a, about a eight to 10 feet from the building edge so that the other contractor can build up to it as well. So they're gonna have a, a finish. It's, a, it's our imaginary property line. So we know where to stop so that the other contractor can work forward. 
Thank you. So what so one of the goals of the project and of the, the the theater arts and performing and music department was to make sure that there was a building that met all the demands for future accreditation items. And so we have a 777,000 square foot facility, um, a 600 person auditorium, um, and all of the program related areas that are needed to meet their requirements. And this was kind of the a graphical version of it. Um, it's just uh, behind the, sh the shaded areas. There's a little more details, um, but in this example, there's the mural lobby, the auditorium, the back of house mural lobby, and then access to the scene shop, so convenient access, and then the other performing spaces, which is a studio theater, the large rehearsal and choral room. Those are all meet, uh, the performance uh, level uh, spaces. Um, and obviously we have obviously the basic uh, the bathroom spaces and some of the uh, support areas for performances and it's centered here so the classroom and dressing room could support either the studio theater or for performance uh, changing and also for the, for the dressing rooms and auditorium so it's just overflow for dressing rooms. Uh, next floor please. And here you, you we see a smaller footprint and the reason there's a smaller footprint is these spaces for acoustic and performance levels they have a double height requirement and you can see the where the mural is, it's a high volume, especially because the mural is very tall and big. And then across from it is the auditorium balcony. And so that's a double height. And in the other two boxes to the north where the two where they have each have X's in them, uh, to your right, Grace. Yep, to a little more to your right. Yeah, those. That's a high volume of those coral rooms as well. So a lot of these spaces have high volume. So in this example, on this floor plan, we have some technical spaces, the Posner room, um, which is kind of the archival room identified for the Diego Rivera and other arts. And don't know how much it encompasses, but it's part of the Diego Rivera uh, archival setup. And then there's some offices in a costume shop. So. It's really because of the high volume of the first floor spaces, there's very little bit of uh, act activity or in this level. And then if we go to the third floor, you'll see that the, the high volume continues for the auditorium. And then we get into some uh, broadcast uh, electronic music in offices and, and practice rooms um, in the space and also some smaller uh, practice areas. So this kind of, puts the music department here. Um, so we're, we're, we're moving everybody into this building who has a need to have access to it. Um, go to the next slide, please. So here was the example where you can see where the double height of the mural um, and it's kind of centered, uh, it's hard to see, but the, the center of the mural is, is centered with the crosswalk in the center of, of, of Science Hall and the the back of behind the mural is the double height of the auditorium and the flight tower for for scene for scene um, terminology for for the uh, back of house and um, God, what's the, for the scene the guys to move the stuff back and forth for the background of a performance area. I know there's a technical term that I'm not I'm drawing a blank on. And then on the back side to the right, you see those little set of windows. Those were the offices on the third floor. And as we go down, we'll see the building in a different perspective. If you can slide down to the next slide. 
here it is looking at it uh, almost like across the street from the mub edge and you see the the building there and you see the tree lines well it's close to what's going to be on the plan but it's just a, a, a graphical representation they're trying to capture the building and not the trees but we can go to the next slide here we are now walking down Frida Kahlo towards uh, Creative Arts Extension and we're like almost directly across from where the new steam building would be looking at the mural area and you can see a little walkway here and this is where you mentioned uh, Trustee Solomon the the boundary line is just so that the edge of the buildings they, they and you know we're making sure they're going to be you know level with each other we don't need a, a height difference once they finish the project there um next slide please excuse I'm sorry I'm going so slow could you go back to that uh so on the right side the the uh top floor with all the windows Yes. Is that the studio theater or what is that? No, th that, that's the third floor with the offices. And that the is the office. Room. Okay. That's right. the offices that you mentioned earlier. Yes, on the third oh, floor. Got it. Thanks. Let me see here. And so here's the back. Here's the loading dock. And here's the, this lower level is part of the seam shop area um, as well. And then you see the tall uh, fly tower area on the right. Um, and if you go next, you'll see some interior uh, images, um, just some graphical representation. Um, uh, some of this information will will continue to morph, but this is just the, uh, you know, the eye candy for now. As it gets detailed, we're going to keep the eye candy, but it, some little things will change. And one of the things they're wanting to do, um, and it's something that'll be shown for the steam building, is they're using some of the colors in the Diego Rivera mural to kind of have it as, as part of the, the wall colors and the wayfinding through the buildings with the, in, in the other buildings. So they're really wanting to have some connection to the adjacent building. So the STEAM building is going to try to take something from the Diego Rivera Theater from the mural and implement it into the interior spaces. And that is something we can share in a future meeting as well. Um, I think this might be the last slide. Yep. So in, any questions? In that last slide, are those um, circles skylights? Is that su sunlight coming into the floor? Is that just light? Yeah, it's 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 a skylight, and and that's oh. one of those things where we're trying to figure out how they got in there. <laughs> but uh oh, <laughs> we're, 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 there's just a lot of them. <laughs> right. But, but that's one of the things we're we're working on in some of the the details. Um, but one of the things we 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 definitely want to do is is the priority is the performance space meeting the requirement so the acoustical levels of the spaces will will is our priority as well so it, it's we we don't want to curate spaces that don't meet the requirements and then the noise bleeds down in the hallway and then becomes you know somewhat useless space because it's it overpowers the that area or zone so we're definitely going to make sure that the acoustical requirements are met and we have a good team we've Worked with some in the past, and they've been involved uh, for several several years. And one of these days, we're going to sneak somebody in these pictures and see if they find themselves. I don't know who yet. But we're going <laughs> to sneak somebody in one of these pictures. Oh, I always wonder about that. Does anybody uh, have any questions? David, do you have your hand up or? Oh, uh, whoops, there, it moved around. Okay, fit. Uh, Trustee Chung, followed by uh, President Wong. 
<clears throat> I also wanted, I also saw that Dr. Martin's hand was up. I just wanted to make sure maybe you can say something that might answer one of my questions. Thank you, Trustee Chung. And I, I don't, uh, I believe I, I may be answering uh, any questions. I just wanted to add some additional context, uh, which is going to be a part of the discussion. Uh, and Alberto, if we could move up to the second slide uh, real quickly. And this is a conversation that's been happening in different circles on our campus. Uh, one more, Alberto, if you don't mind going to the aerial shot of the uh, Frida Kalhu Street. One more. One more. Uh, so if you see to the far left, the reservoir housing, uh, that is land that has transferred over winter break, uh, which will be uh, developed in some point in early 2024. Uh, and if you can see now to the right, the upper reservoir, we have the steam building and then the DRT. Uh, so right now, uh, fast forward five years, we are looking at losing about 1,800 parking stalls. So right now, those two reservoirs have historically offered about 2,100 parking stalls. Uh, that will drop to about 300 remaining parking stalls uh, once all of that construction has started. Uh, so we're thinking about parking ideas and potentially how would we, if we could, uh, or if we would want to, uh, replace those parking stalls. Uh, that is something the college has taken up uh, some discussions on, and we look forward to involving this committee uh, throughout the process uh, here in the coming year. But I just wanted to share that because the parking item uh, has garnered some discussion on our campus. Thank you, Chancellor Martin. That may definitely should be an item for a future discussion. Thank you. Trustee Chung. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask um, if, you know, what were some of the discussions like at the facilities committee meeting? I, I wanted, I, um, I was also hoping if there was um, some opportunities to, to update all those, if not minutes at least, um, to post the recordings of how the facility meeting committee meetings at the PGC level went. I think it's really helpful for me to be able to go there instead of having to ask you again, um, uh, Mr. Vasquez, on, on what those discussions were like. So so the facilities committee has always been supportive of the project. Um, mm -hmm. We've, uh, for, for, for all our projects, the STEAM, DRT, and Student Success Building, we, we've been able to identify builder user groups, which are kind of the the future tenants, you know, that are going to be in the spaces. And they were part of the, prior to me arriving, they were part of developing the needs and wants of the future project. And when I, or when I came here, that process started and they were also included back into the process for details and information. And we've had builder user groups for all three of the projects uh, to get their feedback on information. We, so, so the way the processes work for the builder users groups is, you know, there's a need for information, it comes in, the architect takes it and then they develop the information. And then it, it, it is months later that they come back and they clarify information, they share it, they update it. And then at some point, their builder user group information is behind them. And then they're just working on the details, the plans, the, the the stuff behind the walls, not what we get to see, um, and the infrastructure in the building. And then with that, it, it gets to get uh, to the approval process. Um, STEAM building, which is further along, we're now back re-engaging 
with the builder user groups to look at some of the things to do with furniture, some of the, the, last, the last color selections and some of those clarifications that could happen you know, during the construction. But there's unique milestones for the builder user groups to come in at different points, get feedback, they can review the feedback, but there is a time where, there is a period where they're not active uh, because the architects are doing their job and then they come back and get the confirmation of it and, the, and then it just moves in different phases. And so in this phase here for the Diego de Vera Theater, we've, we've gone through the, the phase, if you scroll down a little bit, um, Grace, please, um, to the next slide. We, we've identified all these zones. And so as an example, we're now working with buildings and grounds, facilities, IT to get clarifications of what's gonna be in all the rooms. There are parameters that they've worked with and established. They're just trying to get the fine details of that. Go a few more months of design, come back, get confirmation, and then hit the other milestones. So there'll be continuous user group feedback, but it won't be to the level it was at the initial stages. It'll just be a confirmation of this information and that. And so that and that also reduces we like we can't change the building anymore, right? The building is what the building is but we can get feedback on you know, colors. You know, we, we realize that an outlet needs to be 10 feet to the left, or we need one up near the ceiling because of what's gonna be in that room for performance or practice spaces. That's the level of detail we're gonna be hitting next. And I'm, I'm really glad for these builder user groups, I, or um, building user groups. Um, I, I know that when I was student trustee, there was a lot of trouble in getting students to be involved in those spaces um, because of the commitment and um, just not a, a different layers of, of, of struggle. But I, um, I'm glad that those groups exist and we're getting feedback in that space. I'm just, I just want to be mindful of how, how best to use the board's time. I just, the last thing I want is for folks who our college stakeholders, um, if, you know, I'm pointing them toward the facilities committee when they want to have commentary on the different projects um, that are happening at the college. But the last thing I want is someone within the facilities committee to sort of, you know, raise some red flags about this to the board after these things are, you know, after these projects have gone through those progressions. Um, so I just want to make sure that as these discussions are happening, that you're the check-ins are still happening at the facilities committee and they're all on board. Yeah, no, no we, we, the check-ins are there, we're doing things, but you know, there, there's, there's a lot of people that get involved. If somebody has a unique opinion that doesn't match what the program needs, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to make sure it's meeting the academic needs and requirements as of the priority. And, and that's always been a goal in, in working with the people in the different departments that they're, that it, it's meeting that specific use and need um, as well. So to say there will be 100% consensus, I, I, I don't wanna make that overall statement, but in terms of getting buy-in and support, I think it's been there for a lot of these projects. Um, sometimes there's concerns or clarifications that are needed, but overall there, there's, I, I seem to think that there's been good supportive, uh, you know, support from the, the facilities committee group and the active participants. Great. I think what would be really helpful um, is in addition to getting those minutes and the meeting recordings up online for trustees to be able to look at, I think it'd be wonderful if there was also a summary, you know, in accordance to 
our local board policies where a summary that for discussions um, that are happening at the PGC level to be included in these reports. That would be wonderful. Yeah. So, okay. President Wong, I see your hand is yes. down. Did you decide? Uh, yes. Uh, no, I still want to. Uh, oh, okay. So after you, then Chancellor Martin. So please go ahead. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Associate Vice Chancellor Vasquez, for this uh, presentation on the Diego Rivera uh, Theater. Um, I, it's really exciting just seeing this uh, uh, shape up. I, I had um, several uh, questions. Uh, you know, the Chancellor made me think of a new one, so I guess I'll go with that one first. With the, with the uh, parking issue, have we? You know, I know that it's really important to uh, our employees as a as a benefit, and also to our students who get access to college to have that. Um, parking. Um, I, I think especially for our, many of our employees, they consider part of their kind of uh, a benefit package of being able to come to um, uh, uh, work at City College. So have we ever considered um, building a, a multi-level garage space for, for folks to park if we were reducing the parking significantly? So I, I, I know, so Prior to my arrival, I think there were discussions, um, and, and I and I know there was information, but it, it didn't move forward. I, I think it might have been. I don't know the reasons why. I to be flat honest, I don't know the reasons why, but I know there were examples of wanting to do something here, there, everywhere, um, but it just didn't make it uh, off the okay. off the concept plan board. But you know, there there, there is opportunity. There there is space. Uh, you know, as Chancellor Martin mentioned, it, it discussion started. We we brought it up as a preliminary item at the last facilities committee meeting, um, mm -hmm. and I think once now, now that construction is active and it's 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 there, mm -hmm. the reality is starting to say that's going to be an issue and how can we address it. So okay. it, it got positive feedback at the facilities committee meeting and acknowledgement that they see the need as well. And so, as the chancellor mentioned, we're going to take. The preliminary steps to go through the processes to get something out on the table with it. Got it. Because I think the number I heard was going from what two thousand one hundred to three hundred spaces. Is that? Uh, yes, President Wong. But I'll qualify that as a uh, rough estimate, and we can confirm that uh, specific okay. Uh, next month. Okay. Yeah, that's a significant reduction, and I'm just especially for our students and employee groups, just uh, concerned about how. It would impact us drawing students from whether it be uh, out of the the city or uh, our employees that are uh, from outside. Uh, what, what kind of situation that that would uh, get us into? Uh, my my next question is: I also saw that there was a recent proposal at the Board of Supervisors to rename one of the streets uh, from Lee Avenue to Edley Avenue. I think that's adjacent to our our property. Does that um, uh, so? Uh, Associate Vice Chancellor Vasquez, did you have any? a kind of idea of where it is on that map that we, we see. Uh, Grace, if, if you could scroll up to the slide before this. Oops, sorry. Yeah, that one. Yeah, so Lee, Lee Avenue, and I, I don't have the option to draw on this, um, but Lee Avenue for, from Reardon, from the top of Reardon, mm. uh, to, to your left, Grace, mm. right there, the middle, the middle street, uh, a little more to your right, a little more, you're right. Uh, left, <laughs> so, right there, right there, right there. Straight down. Go if you go straight down, straight down. That is Lee Avenue. 
Okay. And if you go all the way down past the MUB, keep going down, Grace, with the on, on the there you go. That's the Lee Avenue that's gonna get rebuilt by the Balboa mm -hmm. housing developer. Um, that's gonna at the bottom of it, near the bottom of MUB, it's gonna turn and curve into the Whole Foods there or to the apartments where the Whole Foods is as well. Okay. They're gonna create a connection between Frida Kahlo going across North Avenue, mm. uh, following Reardon, down Lee Avenue, all the way down to the bottom. Okay, got it. Do, do you think that like our uh, campus community might have any involvement in, in or want to have any voice in, in that uh, uh, for the, the street renaming or? Um... So to, uh, mm. I think the, the chancellor mentioned that in December, the date took title to the lot. So mm. it, it's now the, we have an easement agreement in the future to allow mm. the, the street to be widened because the, the existing street as it is now, the, the back of the parking, it, it's too narrow. Mm. Uh, so part of the development agreement is we're also providing some space so they can make a a full city San Francisco street and meet the the, the requirements of, of establishing a street. Um, I wasn't aware of the net of the potential name change for Lee Avenue to to former Mayor Ed Lee uh, Avenue, or um, I know they've named a couple of things a school for him already with SFUSD, but I wasn't aware of the proposed the request for the street. Okay, yeah, it just came out recently. I just saw it, I think, yesterday. Um, so it's a uh, uh, yeah, definitely a. New new proposal. I, I, it makes sense uh, if it's Lorraine Lee Avenue. Why not make it? Um, uh, but like a uh, so okay. Uh, so I'm just wondering if if for even if though it's kind of no longer our it's not our, our property. If if generally if it's something like this, our campus community might want to have a voice in something like this. If you have no, I have an understanding many of the past kind of uh, practice or what's happened before um, when something like this has happened. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would have to check the, the information. I'm not familiar uh -huh. with what, what the college has done in the past with the uh -huh. name changes. I know Frida Kahlo wasn't always Frida Kahlo, it was used to be feeling. Um, so yeah. whatever it, efforts were done then could also okay. could apply to that. Okay. And then my, my last question is uh, for, for the uh, theater, uh, what kind of um, different uh, Groups uh, could could we draw to? Uh, and this might be less of a facilities question, but more of a arts question. What sort of groups can we draw there? I, I know that like uh, uh, some of um, my friends in uh, IATSE, a local sixteen, which uh, uh, represents like stagehands, they they're very excited about um, uh, this being uh, uh, this moving uh, forward. So I'm just wondering, like, what are the potential types of uh, folks or, or performers that we could um, uh, draw and organizations that we could draw that can make use of this facility and in more of a community way. Yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, throughout the process mm -hmm. that I've heard that this is this is potentially the only theater on, on this side of mm -hmm. town. So it is going to get a quite a bit of attention and hopefully draw interest. Um, it, it does have a full stage. It, it does not have, um, it, it's not a narrow where you can only squeeze one layer. It, it's, it's a wide stage and it's got a back of house set up. And that's why the fly tower and some of the decisions early on is that it'll, it'll have capacity for a large performance, um, but it will have some limitations, uh, one of them being the seating capacity. But in terms mm -hmm. of stage uh, access and presence uh, with the adjacent uses, it'll 
it, it, it'll, it'll welcome quite a bit of, of different size events from small to medium, um, maybe some medium large, um, but that super large may not fit just because of the some of the background requirements. But you know, it, it was definitely the the idea or the intent is that it, it not only will it meet the community college needs, but it also have uh, fit maybe the the community needs up to a certain point. Um, but it was going to have access to a lot of different size shows. Would we have to say increase uh, uh, say like a, if if as we op open up more for community purposes, do, do we need to have a, a sufficient staffing to to be able to kind of manage those, not just the our internal needs, uh, uh, but like the, the external kind of needs in terms of uh, coordination? Yeah, you know, that, that that's a great question. And I think mm -hmm. that is that that is something that will need to evolve as as a plan. I, I know the performances have um, a lot of unique labor requirements for the different type of equipment that gets used. Mm -hmm. While some of it is automated with lighting, but some of the the more technical and hands-on compulsions of a show or event, um, it, it may not be able to be staffed internally, depending on the level of show the students mm -hmm. can support it. But a more professional performance may need to have outsiders come in, and that and that, that is something we've not discussed. Okay. But that's some of the challenges with uh, having access. Got it. And or or even just uh, you know like a, a somebody that is actively coordinating this stuff, right? Like, oh, like if some, if they want to use the space, like, uh, uh, you know, whether it be like classified staff that's helping coordinate. Um, so just just kind of thinking about kind of uh, staff needs in, in advance and who who we're going to work with and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but like, yeah, as you mentioned, it's, I think you've answered my question already, basically, you know, that's something that kind of needs to get planned out as we move forward in this uh, process. Uh, uh, so I want to, yeah, thank you, Associate Vice Chancellor Vasquez for uh, providing some uh, feedback and uh, answers to my questions. Sure, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, Trustee Chung? Did you have another question or a comment? He's on mute. Yes, sorry, I just oh. didn't um, unmute, apologies. Um, just two quick questions. I wanted to make sure, so these are, um, I know STEAM is in the MUB is, but the, the DRT is also accessing the geothermal wells, right? They're making the most of the uh, that, green that, resource. That, that's a great question. And um, we're, so one of the challenges we, we have, and, and it's a real challenge, is that the geothermal wells are built across the existing Lee Avenue and into the lower reservoir parking area. Um, Joyce, could, can, can I show the screen? I, I can pull up the same, mm -hmm. the same plan. It might be easier. Um, let me just. Sorry, I should have done it a few minutes ago, Grace. Um, so you're, so the geothermal wells sit in a field underneath MUB across this parking area and across the this area and down into this lower area as well. Now they're 30, 40 feet deep, so that's fine. But the city of San Francisco and the developer, when they're building their units, their, their complexes are here, they're legally they they don't they can't have any utilities underneath their building, right? They're not gonna the, any lender will not allow that. 
So they're also unfortunately grouped in clumps of 20 to 25 geothermal wells in a certain array. And there's one edge, and, and, and I'll zoom in, hopefully it, it'll, it'll show here as an, uh, as an example. There's an edge that catches the new street, which is here. Even though 90% of the, of the geothermal wells for a 25, so out of 25, 20 are on our property, five, we have to decommission them. So we're decommissioning about 35 to 40% of the geothermal wells because they're gonna lie under the future Lee Avenue street and under the developer's new building. So they're gonna be decommissioned and they're gonna be, the term is they're gonna be filled with concrete and grout from the, the developer. Um, so we are currently in the process of, we, we know we have capacity for MUB because that's been in use. Uh, we know that STEAM is using a portion of it. We're getting an analysis done by recommissioning MUB to understand how much capacity is available to use in the DRT. But there's also kind of a, a logical, if it's only gonna do 10%, it, 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 it may not be worth doing 10% into a building that has a bigger system. So we're trying to evaluate that decision right now. We're, we're still working on getting that raw number of capacity from the use of this building, especially with the deletion of 30 to 40% of the initial system that was meant to feed all these buildings. Wait, I just want to clarify, because I remember working on the MOU for yes. the reservoir housing, and I, I thought the whole concept was, you know, is that it's under their property line, but they break it, they pay for it. And so it's a little bit surprising to hear that they're just going to bury the wells. In well, so, well, well, it wasn't that they would break it, but that we would review, sorry, the, 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 the document at the time we were working with them because they didn't know what the city would require them either. So at the time, the if they can be if they can be kept there and in use, they would leave them there. But if the city, the or scenario was, or if the city required them to abandon them or get rid of them, that they would pay for that portion of work. And that's the 35 or 40% number I referenced that will need to be uh, taken off the system because the, the city will not allow the utilities to go under their new streets and the developers, lenders won't let them have any utilities under the new foundations of their systems, of their buildings. So th that's why at the time, uh, Trustee Chung, that there was a, if it could stay, it could, they could manage, or if not, they'd be responsible for, for removing them. And so this current situation is that, it doesn't sound like that either is happening. So they're just getting decommissioned and we're not getting compensated. Well, what? you're getting decommissioned, but we're not paying for the decommissioning portion of it. Mm -hmm. We're not getting compensated for it, but the, the decommissioning will occur and they're gonna be responsible for the decommissioning portion of it. Right, that's, that's still, um, and that's probably something, is that, has that boat sailed? I just, yeah. We took, it would take City so, College money to build no, those no. ones. So, so, so the, the, the decision at the time wasn't to compensate the college if they got decommissioned. That, that, that's not in the language. It was either they, if they could stay, they would stay. Um, if they needed to be decommissioned, they would be responsible for decommissioning them. 
And mm -hmm. we, we, we worked with the developer in the city to see if we could keep them. Um, but their the utilities, you know, are, are, they don't like anything being underneath their utilities, even though it's still 30 feet below, below the current ground. Um, and that's where we're at. The, it, the, the document, initial document didn't have a, if they need to decommission them that they'd reimburse the college. It was that they would be responsible for decommissioning them. I see. Um, and just one more surface level question is, um, I know that um, access point for the parking lots used to be right um, through there. Is that, I mean, I is that continuing? That's gonna be yeah. con the continued point of access? Okay. Yeah, in, in, in the plan here, there's gonna be two points to the to the future development. There'll be a point uh, on the north side between the future steam building and here, there's a walkway from Frida Kahlo to future Lee Avenue. And Lee mm -hmm. Avenue, it's hard to see in this, but it'll be a, a two-way street with, uh, with uh, bike lanes on each side in each direction. There's kind of these arrows here. And then on the south side of the DRT, there's another walkway uh, in between the mob and the walkway. And this is the, the more common one you're, you're referencing is this one here. Mm -hmm. But then in order for the cars to access, are they still accessing through that point or is another uh, ramp going to be built? Is, it'll be through Lee Avenue. Ah, okay. It's, it'll be back here. So the, this back here, there, there won't, we are working on, on trying to make sure there's an exit out on Pita Kahlo for the mug, but that's mm -hmm. a work in progress. Okay. And sorry, just wanted to briefly, I, I just want to take the time and thank, you know, you, ABC Vasquez and all, all the administrators who work in facilities. I know that our college is incredibly large. There's a great deal of projects. There's a lot of bond money. And so just, Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to rough through all our questions. Oh, that's okay. And <laughs> there'll be other opportunities and projects to discuss as well. That's, that's, and that's good. That's good. It's very, this theater is so exciting. Um, really happy to see it happening. Um, any other uh, comments from folks in this meeting? Um, uh, Chancellor Martin. Uh, yes, Chair Solomon, and thank you. This is just for some additional context and uh, helpful for us to remember as we move forward, but the uh, lower reservoir, the housing development that is scheduled there, uh, does have committed affordable housing units for City College employees uh, as part of the uh, design plan. So this is going to be a long-term uh, indefinite partnership with City College and the developer. So as we look at uh, renaming uh, Lee Street potentially and the geothermal wells, uh, this is a partnership and I would uh, encourage all of us to continue to advocate, although we don't own the land, uh, continuing to advocate for City College uh, would be in our best interest. So I just wanted to, to add that for context. Thank you. That is something it's so important and we know it can be done. It's now precedent. All right, I don't see any other hands up. Um, do we have public comment for this, Mrs. Esteban? We don't have, Chair. Okay, thank you. So with that, I don't think we uh, need, a, need a vote on anything, but do either other of the members of this committee have a motion that they do wanna make? 
Okay. We will move Chair, on. Chair, it's only a report and discussion, right? So there's no action we have to take, right? That's my understanding, yes. With that, we will move on to the next item, which is the review of the Citizens Bond Oversight Committee uh, bylaws. Thank you, Chair Solomon. And as ABC Vasquez pulls up the screen, this is a great opportunity to revisit the CBOC bylaws with the STEAM uh, Center uh, under construction. Our CBOC is gonna get very busy uh, in reviewing expenditures here in the coming months. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to pause, uh, look at the bylaws, look at the committee membership and take any feedback or guidance uh, from the facilities committee. Uh, pass it off to you, ABC Vasquez. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, this amendment and restated bylaws um, was done in 2021 and it incorporated both the 0105 prior bonds, 2001, 2005, and 220 into one um, CBOC, so we wouldn't have to have multiples. Um, but what it also did, um, it also started the clock on terms. Um, Joyce, sorry. Joyce. Um, Grace, can I can I share a screen? I, I feel a little bit easier to move than trying to direct and point a little bit. Um, but let me get this right screen up here, so we can. We're looking at the Citizen Bond Oversight Committee screen here, and so. So at the time uh, it was done, um, the requirement of the board, of the CBLC, is seven. Uh, seven members, and I'm just scrolling through the document to find the membership, um, and it includes one student, one business organization, one member of senior, senior, senior citizens, one bona fide taxpayer association, uh, one of supporting organizations such as the foundation, and two members of the community at large. We currently have 11 members. Um, the board of, of trustees added additional members um, to it, and while we were in the Zoom world, it, it worked well, um, but we do, you know, with 11 members, we need, I think, 50% plus one. So we need uh, seven members to uh, be part of it. And so I'll have a chart to show next, um, but we'd like to possibly go back down to the original seven required. Um, and with that, it would take us to, uh, reissuing the terms and in their terms they're able to serve as it, as the new amended and restated bylaws uh, were, were were amended and restated it started the clock at zero for any member so right now each member is eligible to be to serve three consecutive two-year terms um, and let me just share this other chart here to show what that looks like um, here's a kind of a brief discussion of the same groups that are participant. And here's the current community member, committee membership. And their terms are expiring this year. I think there's eight in 2023, sorry, in, in, in May, a couple in June. Um, and at the last board meeting, uh, the associated students, we replaced Orlando Galvez with uh, member Lai um, at the last board meeting. So. And this is a, a list as of the January 12th CBLC meeting. Um, so currently we have, so sorry, we have 11, but, but 
11 active, but we're missing one vacant uh, support organization. That's why it's, it's uh, it needs to be seven. Um, so as we transition to in-person meetings, the requirement of, of quorum um, gets a little more difficult and challenging. And so one of the questions we're going to follow up is, is trying to reduce the group to seven, uh, down to seven. But let me go back to the our next steps with the term. So they're eligible uh, for three consecutive terms. Now the appointment process, um, and it's something we're going to launch towards the end of this month, uh, is to, we're going to, we're required to have all the members reapply, existing members reapply. We're also going to advertise in the local newspapers. So hopefully it's two newspapers on our website and other customary forums. Uh, we'll make uh, PSA announcements at our meetings. Um, and then the board could also reach out for members, uh, you know, who meet the who meet the, the guidelines and qualifications for applications. Um, once we have a, the plan is to have a two week uh, process for the advertisement so they can su submit two weeks to receive them. And then we'll get the information, uh, review it, share with the chancellor following step B. We'll, we'll review the applications and then the chancellor will submit copies of all applications and attach documents to the future board meetings to make the recommendations. And that's the process we did when we, in, we initially had our first group. And we I think we did it in two or three batches to get the current 11 members that we have. Um, so that is something that'll occur in um, towards the end of this month and in th through the month of February, month of March. So we can stay on track with uh, being in compliance with the term dates that would end. Our next CBLC meeting is scheduled for March 9th. Um, but sometimes getting quorum at these meetings, even in Zoom is still a, this would have to be in person based on the the terms from the the state ending the emergency order. So we're it's this was a date we we was selected several months back and these are all kind of hold dates, but we're trying to confirm this meeting. So that's kind of a, a amended and restated bylaws and just some of the next steps for us on our committee memberships. Thank you. Uh, so just so I'm clear, ABC Vasquez, is the concern about in-person meetings that uh, people may not attend us regularly with, with lowering the quorum, lowering the total number? So, or, or what is the concern? So our, our, our bylaws, our, our amendment restated bylaws only requires seven um, members. I think the there, there is some reference to they added, some were added after the initial round because they had participated in the prior 0105 bond. Um, and we, we made the adjustment at the request of the board. Um, but we don't know if they're going to continue to stay active. But our requirement is to have the, the seven and the seven, the, the ones that are, so we have more at large members than necessary. Because um, we're only supposed to, we're required only two, but we have one, two, three, four, five extra ones in that, in that position. So um, we don't know how they'll fall into place, but that is one of the challenges and goals of, of trying to get the required uh, other uh, representation confirmed for the for the board. 
Okay. Yeah, and I, I do see what the bylaw state is, is seven and with, with which uh, constituencies they're representing. Correct. Um, President Wong? Yes, uh, thank you, um, uh, Chair Solomon and Associate Vice Chancellor Vasquez. Uh, yeah, I wanna get a understanding of some of the requirements that we're working with so I understand structurally what we're working uh, from. So what is the, for under state statute, what's the minimum that's required for um, representation on on these sort of um, oversight bodies? Is it the the seven that you you mentioned? So, so it it can vary. Our, our our amended and restated bylaws for this particular bond, I, uh, this particular bond identifies seven. Okay, but I my understanding is under state law they already set minimum requirements for for bodies like these. Does does our the, does this uh, do, do these bylaws already match that, or did we exceed it by adding any? I, you know, I I'd have to confirm that with confirm. I I don't know if the minimum number is five or or seven as a minimum, but we'll we'll get clarification on that item. And and I don't know, Doctor Alamin, do do you know the response to that question of what the required minimum? It might be seven, but I'll I'll double check. We'll double check for the next meeting. Okay. Um. Yeah. And then. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, no, you, you might answer my question, so I'll, I'll let you talk. Well, the per statute, they're the certain the represented groups mm -hmm. are the base groups. By lowering the threshold, it innate, will enable the CBOC to have a better opportunity to make quorum than with the current additional number that they are currently working with, which is the higher number. And I think the goal was to keep it the basic membership according to statute. And then if there are individuals who wish to be added on, or if you wish to have additional at large, but the basic quorum would still be based upon the initial seven. So therefore, if they had individuals that were unable to participate, they still would be able to have a quorum and be able to function, which is our, our main goal and objective. Okay, I, I guess that's, that's a unclear answer to my question. I, I'm trying to figure out what is the minimum required in state statute? Is it is it does that in require all those those uh, five separate uh, distinct groups and also those two community members at large or only those five that, distinct groups? That is the community members. Uh, Alberto, I don't have the sheet in front of me. Can you go over again what the set what the required groups are? Oh, so those so are the minimum. Yeah, the the, the current representation there's there's seven there's seven that's in our amended and restated bylaws. One is a student. Mm -hmm. One is an active member organization. One is a senior citizens organization. One is a bona fide taxpayer association. And one is a support organization for the district, such as a foundation and two community at large members. Understood. And, and I, I guess that still doesn't answer my question because I'm- President Wong, can I jump in for a moment? I think what might answer your question is that the, the language in this um, in the amended bylaws say that the committee shall consist of at least seven members. Um, least. I, I, I can't answer the state statute yeah. question, yeah. but that's where okay. the, um, I would say flexibility came in that mm -hmm. made it possible to have yes. more than seven. Yeah, seven uh, yeah. I'm just, just wondering like if we do reduce it, like what's the minimum we can reduce it to? Uh, Cause you know, our we have our own bylaws that kind of set our 
minimum for our college, but then there, there might be a lower threshold based on what state law says. And I'm not saying we need to go that far. I'm just trying to understand structurally where we're at. Um, okay, my my second, and yeah, I, I can probably Google that and, and find out, just look up, um, yeah, um, some of these oversight body codes. Um, so my second question is, um, so for the quorum, is it, um, to get a quorum, is it uh, a majority of those, um, a majority of those on the body, or is it a majority of the seats to have a quorum? I think it, it was a majority of the seats. So okay. because there's 12 individuals who needed to be seated, we needed 50% plus one. Okay. And, and that's always a, a challenge. Um, so here we, we have 12 members. Um, and and we'll, we'll, we'll get the response you're looking for, which is, you know what is the prop 39 number that we that's required this might be the number but we'll we'll confirm it okay and then do we have um a like you know i'm not trying to put people on blast but like what is the do we have like a attendance roster of like who's not showing up if they're coming for reappointment then i, I think that would be something for us to to consider yeah uh, you know that 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 is Fair to, and, and we do have the the that, that information as as we mm. take our our roll call, similar to to the task that happens at, at okay. these meetings and your meetings. Um, and in the bylaws, there is a reference of removal, but you know it's not anything we're yeah. necessarily want to do. But but there is a removal of vacancies if they fail to show up to meetings. Okay, um, and then for the, I noticed that there. Are, a bunch of community at large folks. So, so it sounds like the under the bylaws, the two members of community at large is the minimum that we can have, but we can always appoint more. And it seems like we added a lot of those on there. That is correct, and and that's and that's the challenge of meeting quorum. But your that, that that last comment is correct, Trustee Wong. Understood. So, if we end up adding more community at large people, the 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 kind of the calculation for the quorum goes from from I guess seven to if we add more community at large, it just kind of adds to that number to, I don't know, now there's like what, um, a seven community at large. So it went from, so there's five more seats, so it's seven plus five, that's like 12. So now the quorum becomes a majority of 12 it, based on what you're explaining. So that would be yeah, seven. The, the, the more we had, the, the, the quorum increases, you know, okay. Okay, correct. Sounds good. Uh, and then my, my final comment is that, yeah, uh, recently in um, one of the, our past board meetings, I, I made the uh, change to the oversight uh, body um, uh, bylaws uh, so that it uh, includes uh, the, that the, um, that the recommendations, all the, uh, that the recommendations and everybody that applied to, to be on this oversight body to be submitted to the board so that we're able to review all of these um, uh, recommendations and I, I see I see the amendments are in there so I'm looking forward to being able to review all those folks and also like if if some of the folks that had terrible attendance uh, apply again I think that's our opportunity to um, can consider that so like you know I would like to if, if um, you're able to get that be able to uh, uh, see what some of the attendance is for some of these folks in case they do reapply uh, so that we can flag that so we don't have these uh, quorum issues going forward in the future. So that's my last comment. Thank you for your time. I think just to respond to your question, once we get any applications of existing members, we'll, we'll, we'll include a, 
an, an attendance log just so you're aware of what their participation was, if that's if that's a request. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Trustee Chung. You might need to unmute. Thank you, sorry. Um, I Yeah, I wanted to actually, is this is this a concern that's coming from us or is this because this has been expressed by members of these, this committee that they will have trouble attending? It, it's, it's, it's both from both the, the chair and vice chair. Um, you know, the, the last meeting on the 12th, we, we almost canceled the meeting that morning. Um, and so it just gets difficult. And we understand that there are personal things that get in the way and, and, and emergency or things that, that challenge and that, you know, we can understand that, but we, we do outreach, uh, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why we, we've tried to set up these pre-mentioned dates so they can commit to them, but they also have jobs, right? This is in the middle of a, of a work day. Um, sometimes they can escape to, to get to the meeting. But there are challenges and you know with the higher active requirement for quorum it you know there's more people that need to to escape to get to the meeting and so we're, we're trying to be mindful of people's time and also making sure that all the planning efforts from both the the chair and vice chair you know gets done and according and, and all the support that we have to do to get to the meeting and supply the meeting information as well so it's really coming from the chair and vice chair um, and also the challenges we have with getting the schedule. And, and that's been with Zoom. So our fear mm -hmm. and concern is that when an in-person, it, it may get just a little more challenging. Got it. That, Initially. Uh, got it. I, I guess um, I just want to be mindful because of the term. Uh, some of the members term out much later. And I so I don't, if they are the ones who are having, right? I, like I noticed there's a difference, right? Some are reported in May, others are reported in June. So I just want to make sure that, um, those who are appointed later don't necessarily get an advantage to stay on on the committee if if we are reducing the number right, um, especially if they're the ones who aren't able to be a, in attendance. I just want to make that note, and I also want to take the opportunity to answer um, President Wong's question from earlier. I just looked it up. If you, it's Ed Code fifteen two eighty two. It does say it's at least seven. So, yeah, it. It's, Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, and and trust trust each other. I I think the 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 our next step of um, the reappointment process it'll it'll affect everybody because they were all affected within a month of they were all enrolled within a month of each other. So the next exercise will be to to get everybody uh, the participate again. We're we're not going to because it's one month later. We're not going to say well. You got to wait another month. Month. We're still going to try to do the process all in once at once. I have um, a, a slightly on on a different topic, but within these bylaws, something that's small, and I I don't uh, I'm not as familiar with the process as other people are at this meeting. In, um, but I think it would be uh, important to change some pronouns or include. So 5.2a and 5.6, which are both about composition and conditions of the committee, say he or she. It'd be nice if it said he, she, or they. So what would we have to do to make that happen? 
Okay. We, we, we would, to make that added change or any changes, we'd have to do another, a second amended and restated bylaws. Right, maybe something for a future meeting that we could. Yeah, I, I think there, there are some things to clarify. And, and, and if that's one of them, if you said you had, is there another one? We just, we can track it. And then when we get to the point to make it, we'll make sure to include it and circle back to the meeting, to, the, to, the, to this group. That would be. Um, I would search and find. Yeah, I think yeah. if you could just stick with, and thank you, um, Chair Solomon for that. I think if you would stick with just gender neutral, like and that person, their pronouns are growing. Better. Even better. It's, yeah, it's complicated. So, you know, that person must be, I think is much, it, it's contemporary and it's flexible. Well, as somebody who was uh, called on to ask a question at a meeting uh, this weekend as young lady, um, I think we can make progress in this area or should try to. Okay. I, I don't see any additional comments from meeting participants. We do have one public comment, and that is Madeline Muller. Am I? There you are. Oh, OK. Um, actually, at my age, I'd love to be called a young lady. So I don't. <laughs> I hear you. That, that might might be work. Might work. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm actually from the previous. I'd sent in a request to speak earlier today, and I guess you know the dog ate it, the computer ate it. So it was just uh, I wanted to put my voice in. Of course, as thrilled that you're seeing all these wonderful plans for the new auditorium, uh, and there's just a few things that came up as I was listening to you guys. Good questions. Um, the, the, the thing about parking, I, a little bit of history, when we got the upper reservoir, it was never to be parking. It's only been parking temporarily till we finally could get the buildings built. But we never ever envisioned in the history of this college that the lower lot would be sold for what, $11 million? For um, mostly market rate housing. I mean, that just wasn't ever on the horizon. Uh, there's something in their contracts where they do promise us kinds of parking, and I think we should look into that when we do the numbering of what parkings are available. But um, I hear you, um, Trustee Chung, about I thought we had agreements about those those geothermal wells, and I I do save, and I'm glad to hear you want all of you. I hope you won't find it be intrusive. I have boxes and boxes of history of things and agreements made and sometimes they change and having a little paper trail doesn't hurt. So I will really share with you whatever you want, more than you'd ever want. Um, this is a chance finally after the 50 some years I've been at the school, we'll have a complete campus. We are incomplete. We will not be out of compliance with accreditation by ha not having the facilities for the performing arts students. Uh, this, this building in the middle really, really solves a lot of problems. and and. We've been to the map three times. We've had DSA approval. It's it's time now. Third time's the charm. So let's let's get it done for the students. Um, we have very talented students in San Francisco, and for the community, it'll be the only auditorium between downtown and San mm, San Mateo, I think, where we would have groups will have access to performances. If I could do one more sentence, our theater manager. You're right, um, Trustee Wong. We have a theater manager. Uh, we've always had either classified staff or right now Patrick Toby. He's kept track of all kinds of requests for the theater. And um, so I think that part of it, 
would be in hand if we can keep him on. He wants to retire. So that I'll just continue it all. And I'm really glad to, to see you all here. Thanks lots. Bye. Thank you. And uh, that that's it for public comment, Mrs. Devon? Yes, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, with that, at this point, do we, I don't know that we need a motion on this either. Am I correct? This was a review. All right, so with that, we are at um, the last item on the agenda, which is um, items for future agendas. mentioned one earlier in the meeting does any uh, which is a review of the project labor agreement does anybody have any other suggestions at this time for future agenda items actually president wong something that you said made me think in the conversation that happened about a coordination for external and internal uh groups using the uh, theater when it is complete is uh, something that we may want to be talking about now. So I would think even though these are the preliminary mm. stages, it would be good to be um, prepared. I'd be happy to have that discussion just about like what sort of what sort of community groups uh, to really draw in so that it's a really robust center for not just city college, but for the entire West side and, and the, the city. It's such an important new, uh, development uh, for for our our community. Yes, thank you. I think we should have that. And um, Trustee Chung. Yeah, I I'd like um, an agenda to really talk about um, prioritizing projects that um, on all the deferred maintenance we've put off for the last ten years, um, centered on safety and health of our students and our, our staff and employees at the college. Um, yeah, I would love to hear how we're, how the administration is prioritizing those and making sure we're addressing that long backlog. Thank you. And, and, and that may um, have some intersection with uh, and something that we talked about a little uh, earlier that actually Trustee Chung, you talked about, and that is, how the getting more clarification on how this board committee interacts or if it interacts how uh, with the uh, PGC facilities committee. Uh, and I do bring that up also because again, as a new trustee, when people reach out to me, for example, about uh, concerns about heat, um, in the buildings having sufficient heat in this cold winter that we've had and this cold city that we live in, uh, understanding where do these issues get addressed. So that, and that, I may, I may be even uh, moving into clarification about all of our committees. How, what are the relationships and uh, making sure that we understand the purview of each body.
Is there anything else that anybody uh, would like to raise at this time? Actually, um, Trustee Solomon, uh, Chair Chair Solomon, I would actually love one, you know, uh, perhaps a deeper expansion, not just on um, the prioritization of of deferred maintenance for health and safety, but um, specifically with an emphasis on ventilation. I think because we recently passed the mandate to move from, or we moved from mandating masks and vaccines to just strongly recommending it. I think it's even more important that we make sure that the spaces that are we're utilizing and asking or requiring folks to be in are, are properly ventilated. So an update on that would be wonderful. Thank you, Trustee Chung. If there are no uh, further comments from people at this meeting right now, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. I move that we adjourn. Second. Uh, let's take an official vote of this. Uh, Mrs. Devon. Thank you. Um, Chair Solomon. Aye. Trustee Wong. Yes. Trustee Wong. <laughs> Trustee Chen. Aye. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. We are adjourned at 4.46 p.m. Have a good evening. <laughs>